Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with His Word, and more in love with people. Aren't you glad? You know, I remember when I first went to school, and the teacher, she would pull out the notebook, and she would say, Chuck Sisler, here. Yvonne Sisler, here. Right, and on and on. And you remember, she'd make a little mark. When the roll's called up yonder, we're going to be there. All we have to do is believe that the Lord Jesus died in our place. Died in our place for our sins. Isn't this, it's, a, it's a miraculous thing. And all we have to do is accept that gift that he has bestowed on whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says she'll be saved. And when the roll is called up yonder, you ain't got to worry about hollering out present. They're going to know you're present. Amen? Oh, man, what a wonderful day. I pray that you have had a good week and uh, certainly a wonderful time of uh, giving thanks for God's goodness and his mercy in our lives. And uh, I, I will tell you, it's uh, oddly enough, it's been a pretty busy week uh, around here, uh, although we, we tried to uh, take some time away for uh, the staff. It was good for them, uh, but uh, uh, ministry goes on, and so uh, I would ask you to keep a couple of things in prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray for uh, Cindy Kramer. Uh, Cindy and her dear husband David have been attending here for a little while. I usually sit right over here. She is uh, at home dealing with some health issues, and I know that they would appreciate our prayers. Also, I'd ask that you pray for, uh, where's David? David Bledsoe. Uh, he's back there in the back. His dear cousin, Anna, uh, lost a baby uh, just the other day on Friday. Um, a baby was stillborn. And so I'd ask that you pray for Anna Bledsoe and uh, the family there. They live down in Fredericksburg. And I know David and Leslie and the rest of the family would certainly appreciate our prayers during this time. And then as I was walking in, I just learned of uh, David and uh, Marie Klein. David and Marie Klein, they're in the back there. Their dear granddaughter, Jenna, her name is Jenna Zimmerman, uh, lives up in Pennsylvania. Is that right, uh, Marie? Up in Pennsylvania, was just diagnosed with four. They're non-cancerous, but still dangerous, four non-cancerous uh, brain tumors. And so they're uh, figuring out what they're going to do there with this young, young lady and certainly others of our congregation and church family who are in need of prayer. And certainly, let me just take this. Anybody here got an unspoken prayer request? Let me see by a show of hands. You got an unspoken? Yeah, see, all around. All around. That's why it's so vital. It's so vital that we pray for one another. And I'm so thankful that you're here this morning. Let's do this uh, as we... Get started this morning. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Psalm 103. I want to read a couple of verses and then we'll pray and get into our message this morning. And uh, man, it is so good to see you. I know we have a lot of folks that are traveling and with family and friends. And so thank you for making it a priority to be in the Lord's house this morning. Psalm 103, page 414. Okay, some of you know my jokes there, all right. Uh, you might get close if you go to 414, all right? Psalm 103, look at verse 1 and 2 as we get started. Now, we're going to go a little bit deeper than 1 and 2, but let's, let's just start with these two verses here. David writes here, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all. By the way, as I always do, all means all. Amen. And forget not all his benefits. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you and we thank you for the songs that we were able to sing. And 
to give glory to your name and to remind ourselves what a day it's going to be when we all see you face to face, when we all get to heaven. There'll be no more goodbyes. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more night. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for your many blessings. Lord, we know there are those, maybe even in this room, those who are watching, who are hurting in some way, whether it be physically or spiritually, emotionally, financially, whatever the situation is, Lord, we know that you are the great need meter. Lord, you are the great physician. And so, Lord, I ask that you do what only you can do, and that you heal spiritually and you heal physically, emotionally, and every other way. Lord, we love you. Lord, we want to come to this place today to tell you how grateful we are for your great love wherewith you have loved us. You sent your son to be the propitiation for our sins. Lord, that doesn't even make sense to us. But Lord, we give you the praise. We give you the honor. We give you the glory because, Lord, you are worthy. And so, Lord, I pray that this message this morning will fall upon the good soil of our hearts, that each of us will be reminded of that that we will go away from this place more eager to praise you than ever before. And Lord, we'll give you the honor and the glory for all that you'll do. God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight because you are my strength and you are my redeemer. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen and amen. Well, if you'll look back, uh, the title this morning is simply Praise Him. We want to praise him, amen? And uh, we sang a few songs, but I would suggest praise goes beyond just singing a few songs. Our praise is going to be seen in the lives that we lead. But notice with me, this psalm is attributed to David as its author. And most likely, we don't know, but most likely it seems that this was probably written later on in his latter years when David had a higher sense of appreciation. Now, that's not to say that he didn't have an appreciation for the things of God when he was younger, but I don't know. The older I get, maybe some of you can identify with me, the older I get, it seems like I have more and more appreciation, knowing that soon and very soon, I will one day see my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I, it's not that I wasn't grateful, right? at 26 or 36 or 46. Man, they just keep on going, don't they? You guys, I just keep on going. I know, because as soon as I say, or 56, somebody's going to say, wait till you're 86, brother. I wait till you. Well, praise the Lord. We'll see if I make it to 86. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So whether I live one more day or not, it's all good, amen? And we ought to praise his holy name. Notice our opening text again. David says, bless the Lord, verse 1 and 2. Oh, my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now, what I want you to notice is that the word bless here, the word bless literally means to kneel down. How long has it been since you kneeled down in adoration to our great God and King? See, I think most of us in this room, I, I dare say most of us, I could probably, probably do an estimation that most of us in here probably give thanks when we partake of food. And maybe most of us give thanks when we get up in the morning or lay our head down at night. But how many of us really kneel down as an act of adoration to our king? This implies not only a strong affection, but a deep sense of gratitude. And when we apply this idea of bless, the idea of bless the Lord, when we apply it to the Lord, when we apply it to God, it literally simply means to praise. And so David says, praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. That's what he's saying. He's saying, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. And all that's within me, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Amen? This is what he is telling you and I today. And Peter reminds us of the same thing in the New Testament. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. 
we, like the Jewish believers of Peter's day, he says that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. We are peculiar, aren't we? In more ways than one. Man, I tell you, we got some peculiar people, including me, running around. He says, a peculiar people. And he goes on, he says, that we should show forth the praises of him who has called you or us out of darkness into his marvelous light. If we go back to the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 43, 21, the Lord declares, this people have I formed for myself, they shall show forth my praise. So back in the Old Testament, God says, any praise that is offered, any praise that is given ought to be directed to me and only me. You shall have no gods before me. You remember that part? And yet we look around. And it's very, very difficult to see this praise, this magnification or exaltation of our Lord and Savior coming out through the lives and lips of people. By the way, when I say our lives and our lips, I'm talking about that our walk should match our talk. It's one thing to say, oh, praise the Lord. It's one thing to sing, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. But it's another thing to live it out. Our great God is worthy to be praised. The world may murmur, but we who are born again need to be blessing the Lord each and every day. The world may bless themselves, and they may even bless idols. But we are not so. We have been called out. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that we should show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Oh, yes, praise him, praise him. We were created for praise. It's been suggested that praise expresses our enjoyment of something. In fact, we enjoy praising things we admire. Think about that. We enjoy praising things we admire. When my little pup does something right, you knew I was going there. In fact, I'm bringing him over for training. I'm going to turn him loose on you. I'm going to get the colonel real training. But when the colonel does something really good, I praise him. I'm like, good boy, good boy. Oh, he does so many tricks now at one year old. Do you know that when he goes out and he does his business and I go over to that little thing at night, I don't do it except for late at night, he's already sitting down because he knows where I'm headed to the little doggy treat area. I've got this dog trained. He will literally walk across the room on two legs following that little treat. It's literally this big. But to him, it's a lot. So we praise what we enjoy the most. The question is, what do we enjoy the most? It's crazy, our enjoyment, and, and our enjoyment of something somehow seems incomplete. Like if we enjoy something, our, our, our enjoyment of that thing is incomplete if we don't praise it. In fact, many of us, and even believers, can be seen and heard praising people. We praise things, we praise events and movies and music and on and on. And yet as I traverse this life, I very rarely hear anybody praising the Lord our God except for in a room like this, in a specified time. Sadly, we sometimes have a propensity to spend way too much time praising and almost living for, almost living for a football, baseball, or hockey team that will sooner or later be split up or destroyed by poor coaching, poor management, or poor ownership. Hello. Sound familiar, D.C. fans? And yet we struggle to live and praise God who will never cease but will rule and reign forever. Yeah. Oh, praise Him today. Oh, don't you love Jesus? Something is wrong with the picture when we are so blessed that every day we are blessed with another opportunity to exalt the Lord through our lives and through our lips. And guys, like I was saying last week when we were talking about push that reset button of the disposition of our heart and we were talking about are we grateful, the reality is it's easy to say and even understand, but it's more difficult to praise the Lord on an ongoing basis. You want to know why? Because sometimes we can't even find our car at Walmart. In other words, we're forgetful. 
we forget where we parked 10 minutes after we parked there. Have you ever done that, by the way? I used to never forget where I park. Now it's happened more than I care to admit. I come out, and I'm like, and I don't have with me, I'm like, and then I have a problem because I don't have my hearing aids in, so I can't hear the stupid thing going, beep, 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 beep. I'm like, because I don't have the, the little beeper that goes, honk, honk. I have the one that goes, kick, 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 kick. And I'm like, where is the car? We forget, watch it. We forget where we park at Walmart. And I also believe we forget to praise God. On a regular basis. Last, last week, as I said, we were talking about being grateful and pushing that reset button so that you and I could honestly say, not only say it, but we could actually mean it. When we say, praise the Lord, like as Psalm 106.1 says, praise the Lord and give thanks to his name. We're, not that we would say it, but that we would also mean it when we say that. This morning, our scripture reminds us that we should bless or praise the Lord and that we should never forget why we do so. You see, when we stop praising the Lord, I believe it's an indication of what's going on in the heart. And when we forget his benefits, the reality is we're prone to wander. If I forget all that God has done for me, I'm prone to wander. Because, see, I forget uh, that God is in charge. I forget that he is sovereign. I forget that he is omniscient, that he is omnipresent, right? I forget that he is... Uh, 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 omnipotent, all-powerful, and on and on. I forget these things when I get carried away with everything else under the sun. And so it's very difficult. Look again at verse number 1 and 2, because we can see David in verse number 1. He wants his praise. He wants his praise in verse 1 and 2. He wants it to be pure, and he wants his praise to be lavish. Look, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, caption that, and all that is within me, he said, Praise or bless his holy name. The word benefits and at the end of verse 2 is a reference to the treatment or the way that God had dealt with David. And since you and I are benefactors of the same benefits that David mentions here in this psalm, it only stands to reason that we would want to praise him as well. After all, he's worthy. The writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 13 and verse number 15, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I always reference this, but you remember the story in Luke chapter 19. And I believe it's in verse 20. I'm not sure. I believe it's in verse 20. Jesus is coming. He's making his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. You remember the scene and, and the Pharisees come to him and they tell Jesus, they're like, hey, these people are making too much noise. They're praising you. They're uh, Hosanna to God, Hosanna in the highest, and on and on. And they're like, hey, you need to stop all of this praise. You remember Jesus' response? He's like, listen, guys, I hear what you're saying. But if I tell these people to stop praising me, the rocks, the rocks will cry out. Because I am creator God. And my creation will cry out in praise and worship for me. Oh, friends, we need to praise him each and every day of our lives. He's worthy to be praised. But what are some of the reasons why? If you're a note taker, I'll give you a couple of reasons this morning. A few reasons. First of all, we praise him because of his holiness. That's what David said. Look at the end of verse 1. It states that we are to bless or praise his holy name, which is Jehovah, the self-existent or eternal one. In Hebrew, this idea of being holy points to the fact that our God is set apart. He is sacred. He is sanctified. He is above all. And we should praise him. He's righteous and moral without sin. In other words, he's pure and our praise should be pure. We praise him because he's like no other. He's different. He's unique. We praise him because he has always existed and he will never cease to be. Notice the screen. A.W. Tozer said these words. He said, holy is the way God is, period. To be holy, he does not conform to a standard. He is that standard, period. Because he is holy, all his attributes are holy. That is, whatever we think of as belonging to God must be thought of as holy. God has made holiness the moral condition necessary to the health of, watch this last, of his 
universe. In other words, he, not only, he is not only creator, he is the holy creator of the universe and it all belongs to him. It was R.C. Sproul who put it this way by saying, God alone is holy in himself. The word holy is used as a synonym for his deity and calls attention to all that God is. Knowing that only God is perfect in his holiness should cause you and I without delay today or tomorrow, the next day or the next day after that, to live in reverence, to live in humility and to live in praise before our great God. Oh, praise him today. Oh, praise him. Isaiah 44, 6 says, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Beside me there is no God. So if you're going to praise God, this is the one you praise. Oh, our holy God is all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, and he has all authority. Our God is good like no other. Our God is loving like no other. He's gracious like no other. He's merciful like no other. And he's full of justice like no other. In other words, we bless his holy name. Why? Because he's holy and because it demands our praise. Secondly, we praise him because of his benefits. Verse number two, David tells us to forget not all his benefits. He does this. I believe David does this because he knew from his own personal experience that when he forgot God, it affected the disposition of his heart. All I need go is to remind you of the story of David and Bathsheba. When he got his heart, when his disposition of his heart was not focused on serving the Lord, not doing what he was supposed to do as the king, not being where he was supposed to be as the king, not leading his troops, not leading Israel, when he got his focus off of God, who was using him as his man, things started to crumble all around him. See, the same is true. We must not forget our many benefits that God has given us. And David shares with them. Look at verse 3. Number 1, verse number 3 tells us that he forgives us. Or other words, he pardons us. Look at the phrase, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. David is saying to you and I, he's saying, hey guys, don't forget that it was God. It was God who pardoned you from all your iniquities, all your perverseness and your crookedness. In other words, remember it's him and only him that did this. Therefore, you ought to be praising him and him alone. It's only right to praise God because God's the only one who can forgive sin. By the way, look at that verse. Guys, if you can show that phrase again. In verse number three, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, the verb usage here indicates and actually in the, in, implies a continuous action of forgiving. That's who our God is. Past, present, future, always forgiving us. So when a person comes to God in faith seeking forgiveness, guess what? That's exactly what he or she gets. Isn't that good? It doesn't matter if we're talking about original sin, actual sin, sin of the heart, sin of omission, sin of commission. All sin is forgiven. In fact, verse number 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. That reminds me of Micah chapter 7. In verse number 18 and 19, I read this many times when I'm doing graveside services, actually. And I read this after I read Revelation chapter 21 and it says there'll be no more seed now notice what Micah says in verse 18 and 19 he says who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage he retains not his anger forever because he delights in mercy he will turn again he will have compassion on us he will watch this word he will subdue that's a powerful word there he says he will subdue our iniquities and that will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Which Revelation 21 reminds us there's coming a day when there ain't going to be no more sea. Yes, I said ain't again, grandmother. That's Virginia for it ain't going to be there. The word subdue, I told you it's pretty important in verse number 19, guys. Look at it. Because sin is an enemy that is way too powerful for you and I to deal with. Micah, the prophet Micah, reminds us 
that God actually subdues it. He actually handles it. He actually deals with something that you and I are not equipped to deal with. He actually gets rid of what you and I are not able to get rid of through Jesus Christ. He has conquered it. He's made an end of it. He's removed it. He's trampled it out. Makes me want to trample it out. And I know my calf's going to hurt later. My wife just gave me the look. I don't know about you, but I can't help but to get excited to think about God taking away my sin, getting rid of it, trampling it, removing it, casting it as far as from the east as from the west. By the way, if I start heading east and I keep going east, I will never run out of uh, uh, traveling terrain. I just keep going east. Big old circle. And if I go west, I just keep going in a big old circle. Unless you believe this earth is flat and you just keep going straight. I mean, isn't God good? Verse 3, he not only says he forgives all our iniquities, but look, he says he heals, he restores us. He not only forgives, but he heals and restores. Look at the last part of the verse, who healeth all thy diseases. Now, this is not necessarily speaking of bodily diseases or emotional diseases, although he's the only one that can heal those as well. Right? You got something going on physically, you need to take it to the throne of God's grace. Guess what? His answer might be no. I have that based on the authority of Scripture because Paul asked for three times for the thorn in his flesh to be removed. So his answer may be no, but you go to him. He's the great physician. By the way, I love our doctors and our nurses, but guess what? The wisdom they have comes from God. If there's a heart surgeon, if there's a brain surgeon... If there's any other kind of surgeon, guess what? He or she got their ability because God gave it to them. The moment we think we've accomplished something on our own, that's the moment we stop praising God. With Christ, the process of corruption has been halted at the cross. Therefore, if any man, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He or she is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. David said in Psalm 23, 3, he declared my, he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. The reason he did all of this is for his name's sake. So that people might praise and honor and glorify him. It was John Gill in his exposition of the Bible who said these words. He said, sin is a natural, hereditary, epidemical, nauseous, and mortal disease. And there are many of them, a complication of them in men and women, ladies, which God only can cure. Going on, speaking of humanity, he goes on to point out, he said, God heals them by his word, by means of his gospel, preaching peace, pardon, and righteousness by Jesus Christ, by blood, by the blood, wounds, and stripes of his son, we are healed. There is no other healing other than Jesus. It comes from him alone. Verse number four points out, not only we're forgiven or healed, points out that he redeems us. Notice it says, who redeemeth thy life from destruction. The word redeem, we know that means to, be, to buy back or to free from the consequences of sin or to remove, uh, in other words, the obligation of something by a payment. And so we look in Scripture, Psalm 34, 22, the Bible says, the Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. In Titus 2, now I included a couple of extra verses. I could have gone straight to verse 13 and 14, but notice what verse number 11 says in Titus 2. It says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 14, who gave himself for us that he might, watch it, buy us back, that he might redeem us from all iniquity or wickedness and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Oh, we ought to praise him. We've been forgiven, we've been healed, we've been redeemed. As Christians, we have been bought with a price. Therefore, we ought to be glorifying God in our body and in our spirits, which are the Lord's. That's what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20. 
In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18, Peter says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation or conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but, watch what he says, verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Oh, we praise him. We praise him for the benefit of our redemption. We have been bought back into the favor of God. Verse 4 concludes by saying, I love this, that he crowns us. In other words, not only does he crown us, watch it, it means he surrounds us. What am I speaking of? Look, it says here, he crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies or compassion. In other words, our great God, through our great God, forgiveness, healing, and redemption are not enough. It wasn't enough for him to give us these gifts of forgiveness, healing, and redemption. He also crowns us or lavishes us with his love, with his mercy, with his compassion, as if you and I are royalty. He crowns us as if we're royalty. And can I let you know, if you're a king's kid, you're royalty. You're a joint heir. As a believer, as a child of God, you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of redemption. There is nothing, nothing, nothing that interferes with the power of God. Oh, my friends, we ought to give him the praise. We ought to give him the glory for all that he does. I put down here, what a savior, because the world offers corruptible things, but our Lord, he bestows incorruptible things on you and me. I like what Charles Spurgeon said about this crown that God surrounds us with. He says, it is studded with gems of grace and lined with the velvet of loving kindness. It is decked with the jewels of mercy, but made soft, for the head to wear by a lining of tenderness. Who is like unto thee, O Lord? God himself crowns the princes and princesses of his family. For their best things come from him directly and distinctly. Watch this. They do not earn the crown, for it is of mercy, not merit. They feel their own unworthiness of it. By the way, do you feel unworthy? Of that crown, it's okay. I feel unworthy every day. They feel their own unworthiness of it. Therefore, he deals, watch, with tenderness. But he is resolved to bless them. And therefore, he is ever crowning them, always surrounding their brows with coronets of mercy and compassion. My friends, David knew about the divine benevolence of God because in Psalm 25 and verse number 6, he said these words, he said, Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness, for they have been ever of old. In other words, they never, ever ceased to exist. It's nothing new to David. He says his mercy and his tenderness, they were always in existence. And the fact that you and I are crowned with the tender mercy and loving kindness of God is a pretty important thing. You say, I don't know, I've never really gotten excited too much about that verse. You ought to get excited because without the tender loving kindness and tender mercies of God, you and I could never hope to show biblical mercy or kindness to anybody else. You say, well, I'm a kind person. Guess what? You got that from God. You say, I'm a loving person. I got that from God. And if you're an unbeliever and you say, well, I'm kind and I'm loving. Listen, you have not experienced the wonderful loving kindness and tender mercies on a grander scale than you ever can through Jesus Christ. I would encourage you, man, you might think you're kind and you might think you're loving. And hey, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. But with Jesus, you get it all. You might be a kindness in, in some realm. But the reality is with Jesus, you're going to have a loving kindness and a tender mercy that you have never understood. Oh, we ought to praise him because he crowns us. In verse number five, listen, uh, in verse number five, I jump ahead. He, he says, David says, he satisfies us. Who satisfy thy mouth with good things 
In Psalm 107.9, he tells us that he satisfies the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. In both cases, in our verse and in Psalm 107 verse 9, the word satisfieth means to sate or to fill. To sate literally means to satisfy to the full. We were talking about contentment in our Bible study hour. We get our contentment to the full from Jesus Christ. The world... Brother Spain was talking about contentment about three weeks, a month ago. And talking very similar, different passage, different lesson. But we get filled up. We get our satisfaction, our sate. We get sated or filled, if you please, from Jesus Christ and only Him. Oh, the world offers headaches. Anybody ever got a headache from the world? The world offers headaches, it offers pain, it offers death and suffering. But the Lord... The Lord gives us a heart of love, gives us a heart of peace, a heart of life and blessing. By the way, food for thought. I have never met a Christian who is right with God. Watch this. I've never met a Christian who is right with God and unsatisfied at the same time. You're not going to tell me you're right with God and then you tell me I'm unsatisfied. Those things do not coexist. They don't, they, don't, they don't mess together. If you're walking and talking with the Lord, there is no way you will be unsatisfied. Lastly, look at this last benefit. It says he strengthens us. Look at verse number five. It says, so that thy youth, this is similar to what we find in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 29 through 31. He says, so thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Well, if we were to go to that passage in Isaiah, notice verse 29 says, he giveth power to who? To the faint and to them which have no might. Anybody feel faint from time to time? Anybody feel like you, you, you're struggling, you don't have any might? This is, what, this is what Isaiah says, He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. But verse 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Oh, listen, when we rest in Him, we draw our strength from Him. When we try to walk in the arm of the flesh, I got news for you, we fail every time. You might get along for a little while and say, Hey, look at me, look at what I'm doing. By the way, take heed lest you fall. Oh, listen, John 15 reminds us that he's the vine and we are the branches. The branch gets its strength from the vine, not the other way around. Oh, listen, he strengthens us. So we praise him for his holiness. We praise him for his benefits. And then lastly, we praise him for his character. We praise him for his character. Look at verse number six and following, and I want to read it to you. David says, the Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. Right? In verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth, watch it, he knoweth our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. Oh, friends, yes, our God is faithful. He's steadfast. He's loyal. And most of all, he's merciful. He is a loving God. We could meditate on just these verses all day long, and we could never come close to the depths of understanding God's goodness and his character. And if you and I took time just to consider how merciful God has been with us individually and corporately and why he has done so, it would blow our circuit breakers. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 4 says that our God is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he hath loved us. In other words, he's merciful to us. He's merciful to us because he loves us. But not only does he love us, I want to take it a step further. 
Look back at verse number 11. Verse number 11 says, For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. I did a little research. I was joking with James earlier. I was sitting in my office on Wednesday and was working on the message, and I started looking up things from NASA and space things. And I was in need of James' consultation. And there were a few times that I almost dialed him, but I started doing some, some research and found out that the moon is just under 240,000 miles away from Earth. I also found out that the furthest that any of our space probes has ever traveled is still going. It is known as the Voyager 1. The Voyager 1 took off on September the 5th, 1977. 20 days after Voyager 2 had already taken off. Actually, that's kind of odd. Voyager 2 took off before Voyager 1. But hey, I don't want to, hey, listen, I don't want to cause a disruption in the plan. And the reality is that it means, and both of them are still up there, but it means Voyager 1 has been traveling for over 45 years in space. In that time, it has traveled past Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. And 10 years ago, in 2012, it crossed over into interstellar space. Now hang with me. Right now, the Voyager 1 is still active probe for us, right? It is nearly as of Friday. I looked it up when I was here Friday, and it continues to calculate. By the way, there's a website. You can go on and check it out for yourself. It was calculated on Friday. It was just under 15, are you ready, billion miles away from us, traveling at 38, right at 38,000 miles per hour. You say, okay, you're losing me. <laughs> at that rate of speed, if, and I say if, the Voyager 1 on September the 5th, 1977, would have been pointed directly to the closest star to you and I, the Red Dwarf, the Proxima, uh, the Proxima Centauri. It would take the Voyager 1 thousands and thousands of years to reach since that star that is closest to us is located 23,514,520,000,000 miles away. That's 23 with 12 zeros after it, closest to get to the closest or the nearest star. Now look back at verse number 11. For as the heaven... You want to talk about God's mercy? Let's talk about God's mercy. Let's quit talking about God's mercy in our realm Let's start talking about God's mercy according to his realm, which you and I can't even fathom. We can't even fathom a probe getting to the closest star from us. Look at this verse. We ought to praise him every day, all day long. We ought to praise him. Look, it says, for as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Folks, love cannot be measured by miles, but if it were, and if it could be measured, it would be measured by action. And that's exactly what God did, sending his son from the heavens. We're talking about the closest stars, 23 trillion miles away. Our God in the heavens sent his son to earth, right? Philippians 2, and he put on flesh, he clothed himself in human flesh, and took upon him the form of a servant. And he died on the cross for you and for me. He was found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 12 reminds you and me that our Lord offered one sacrifice for sins forever. And if you go two verses after that, it tells us that he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. That's you and me. Those who call upon the name of the Lord are saved Saved, saved. I'm headed for heaven and I can't help it. Oh, what a Savior we serve. That's why you and I can celebrate today. That's why we can celebrate our, the fact that our transgressions have not only been removed as far as the east is from the west. I gave you that little illustration of just keep on going and going. But that our God, His mercy, 
as the heaven is far above the earth. That's a whole lot of mercy. You want to know something that I know about God's mercy? Is I don't deserve it. And I don't mean to be rude, but neither do you. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm trying to point out the fact that we should praise him. Not just on Thanksgiving week. We should praise him. If you need to hit that reset button of the disposition of your heart, hit it. Because we ought to praise him. There should be genuine gratitude coming out of our lives each and every day. Incredibly, God's character resonates all the way from heaven, all the way down to earth. Not because he loves us, but because he is love himself. And that great love should never, should never, ever cease to be praised. I read a few verses. Look at verse 15. And I close. As for man, his days are as grass. Not a popular thought, but watch this. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, are you watching? And it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. Verse 17, but, but the mercy which we just talked about. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children to such as keep his covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them. Listen, as primary beneficiaries of God's holiness, of all of his benefits, and because those benefits are a result of his character, the Lord is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our praise. And it shouldn't just be something that comes out of our lips. It should be something that we are living day in and day out and the question the only question that remains is is he getting it is he getting it does he get our worship does he get our praise are we living out what we say we believe are we walking in a way that brings him honor and glory because today and in this day I believe he's calling every one of us if you weren't half here last week he's calling us to push the reset button and say God without you I can do nothing you are the vine I'm the branch and I need your strength I need your courage I need your mercy to keep enduring just as you say it is so that I can live in a way that praises you day in and day out. You know, David said in verse 1 that his desire, his desire was to bless or to praise the Lord with all that was, if, that, that was, all, with, that was all within him. And I just think that if we're going to praise the Lord that way, it's going to be seen each and every day by the things that we think, the things that we say, and the things that we do. May God help us. May God help us to praise him in a way that brings him honor and glory. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for this, this message. I thank you for your word. I thank you for a simple illustration that reminded me this week of how great your mercy is, of how incredible your compassion and love is for me individually. God, help me to praise you. Help me to live for you. Help me to be salt and light in a world that needs to see that. A world that needs to understand that. God, help us to be grateful. May we never stop giving you praise, the praise that you deserve. God, help us to be aware. Help us never to forget your many benefits and Lord, that we would be vocal as we live our lives, that we would share your loving kindness and your tender mercies with others as we have the opportunity. God, it seems so simple, yet it feels like it's so hard to do. Strengthen us. Strengthen us as we walk out this door. Help us, help us to be suited up in your armor, Lord, as we go to battle. Because our battle's not with flesh and blood, but it's against spiritual wickednesses in high places. 
The devil hates what we're doing. He wants to destroy this place. He wants to destroy lives. He wants to tear families apart. He wants to destroy this church family. He wants to destroy your work all around the world. Churches in Virginia and other states in this country who are hurting. Lord, help them. Help them to be reminded to praise you. The mountaintops or whether we're in the valleys. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody in this room that has heard this but has never trusted you, has never understood your love, they've never understood that you came down from a heaven to this earth, that you clothed yourself in human flesh, that you lived a sinless life, you died on the cross, were buried in a borrowed tomb, and that you rose again three days later, conquering death and hell and the grave so that we wouldn't have to experience that. Lord, I pray that today will be the day, as Travis even prayed earlier, that that your spirit would draw them unto yourself. They would call out upon your holy name and ask for forgiveness. It's as simple as that. The recognition of who you are and the, and the de determination, the, the, the repentance to turn from the way that they're living and to seek a better life with you, the abundant life. Lord, I pray that you would do that in their life. But God, for believers here, Believers who, who have a relationship with you. Believers who may be struggling to follow you day in and day out. I pray that you would embolden them. That you would encourage them to praise you today. That our praise would be directed in the right place. Because one day, one day we will see you as you are. God, help us to be ready for that day. May you be honored. May you glorified during this time of invitation. I, I invite families. I invite individuals. Lord, your altar is open. It's your altar. It's a place of acknowledgement, not a place of embarrassment. And so, Lord, I pray for families. Maybe they want to come and give thanks today for you. Maybe they want to come and pray for another family member. I don't know what's going on in the hearts and lives of people, but, Lord, you do. And so I pray that you will have your will in your way and that you'll be honored by it all. Lord, we love you and praise you in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. Amen and amen.